Welcome to Extra Points, the Outsports podcast that explores extra points on lesser-known moments in LGBTQ sports history, with special guests who discuss the larger cultural issues behind each one. Today, I'm speaking with Shamar Garçon, the father for the Gulf Coast region of the House of Garçon, an international house whose children compete in ballroom and voguing competitions. In our two-part conversation, we'll explore how he became father of the house, how he recruits new competitors to his house, why ballroom competitions have different categories for cisgender and transgender competitors, and how ballroom is slowly becoming recognized as a mainstream sport. With the recent announcement that Jenny Livingston's groundbreaking 1990 ballroom documentary, Paris is Burning, will release an additional hour of footage in its 30th anniversary Blu-ray release this coming February, I thought it'd be a good time to ring up Garçon and ask whether the cultural phenomenon of voguing and ballroom performance can be truly labeled as a sport. For those of you who don't know what voguing is, most people tend to associate Vogue with Madonna, whose 1990 hit of the same name came out the same year as Paris is Burning. But Vogue is actually a form of dance. In fact, let's let someone from Paris is Burning break down exactly what it is. I'm Willie Ninja, the mother of the house of Ninja. Voguing came from shade because it was a dance that two people did because they didn't like each other. Instead of fighting, you would dance it out on the dance floor, and whoever did the better moves was throwing the best shade, basically. No touching. Neither one of you. If you touch, I'm chopping you. I'm telling you right now. You could take the pantomime form of the Vogue. This is what generally sometimes I do, as I make my hand into a form like a compact or makeup kit, and I'm like beating my face with blush, shadows, or whatever to the music. Then usually I'll turn the compact around to face that person, meaning like almost like my hand is a mirror for them to get a look. Then I'll start doing their face because what they have on their face right now needs a dramatic makeup job. So voguing is like a safe form of throwing shade. Let's hear it for her, guys. The name was taken from the magazine Vogue because some of the movements of the dance are also the same as the poses inside the magazine. The name is a statement in itself. I mean, you really wouldn't go to a ball to do the Mademoiselle. No way. Like break dancing, the dance takes from the hieroglyphics of ancient Egypt. It also takes um, some forms of gymnastics. They both strive for perfect lines in the body, awkward positions, but it goes one step further. It's starting to make a name for itself, but I want it to be known worldwide, and I want to be on top of it when it hit. We'll play more from Paris's Burning later on. But while Paris's Burning was the first time that most people learned about ballroom culture, it's actually much older than people realize. Father Ron Drama Exclusive has been involved in the ballroom scene since 1993. He now helps develop young talent in and out of the ballroom. In a January 2019 TED Talk, he discussed the historical origins of ballroom culture. Here's a small clip. House and ballroom has existed under our noses for about 35 to 40 years. We can trace the rates, we can trace it back to the Harlem Renaissance of the 1920s. It was a, a culture that evolved out of the Harlem drag scene. Around 1970, the house and ballroom became a voice for individuals who were disenfranchised, rejected, and dejected from their family homes. These individuals found one another and became marginalized together, I'm sorry, they found one another and connected together to become a unified voice. 
For many people in the house and ballroom scene, the houses became who they were. So physically, what happened, like an angel story, somebody became a mother figure or leader, and this person became the father or the mother and collected children around them or her and provided a safe space for them, a safe space that their biological parents should have provided for them. And so they taught them different things. And when they formed these spaces, they said, we need to have a name, a family name. And so some of these houses started forming names like Pendavis and Labasia and Ebony and Lavin. And these names became something they were proud of. And then from the names they came proud of, then they started figuring out how to express ourselves. And the expression of the house culture became the ballroom, which was between the houses would compete against one another, trying to find out who was the best one at that time. So if house is the physical unity of the family formed, then ballroom would be the competition in the culture. Exclusive says that ballroom has influenced fashion, dance, the way people talk, and even celebrity musicians for over the last 40 years. But because its main participants, black and Latinx queer people, remained on societal margins, most folks didn't recognize the existence of a larger ballroom community until much more recently. These days, you can find voguing and ballroom competitions internationally, where dancers and models representing different houses compete for notoriety, titles, and cash prizes. The competitors, especially the dancers, tend to be younger. And in addition to different types of voguing categories, there are also performance categories like best face, Best Female Figure, Best Drag King, Executive Realness, and Best Streetwear. If it seems weird that we might consider such dance competitions and pageants a sport, it isn't really when you think about it. After all, bodybuilding's a sport based on set costumes and poses, and figure skating, with its grace, athleticism, and subjective and technical judging, is an Olympic sport. Heck, even football has been called a brutal ballet. So let's jump right into our conversation with Shamar Garçon, and find out more about how he became a father in the Gulf Coast House of Garçon and how he recruits new talent. I am Shamar Garçon, the overall father for the Gulf Coast uh, chapter of the House of Garçon, the legendary House of Garçon. Well, for me, um, it's, a, uh, it's, it's an honor uh, because I really did not expect it. I never, when I originally... Um, got into the house of Garcon that was not my goal. So when that happened, it was just kind of unexpected. Um, and so I've, I've just been an honor, and so I've just have taken the responsibility. I take it very serious. Garcon is an international house. We're not, we just don't have uh, um, people that are members in the United States. We have representation uh, overseas. We have a, a chapter in um, Paris. We have members that are um, in, in, in Scotland. Um, so it's a pretty uh, internationally recognized house. So, But within the house, you have chapters. The house is broken up in chapters. So, for example, in the States, you have uh, the Gulf Coast region, which consists of Texas, Louisiana, uh, Mississippi, Oklahoma, and some parts, some parts of, of, of like Arkansas. Uh, and so uh, I'm the father for that particular uh, region. Then you have, um, we have a North, Cal North Carolina region. You have an East Coast region, which consists of New York, Philly, uh, D.C., Baltimore. And so, and then we have Midwest that covers uh, areas of the Midwest. So for every region, there is parents for the House of Garson. Who decided that you would who gave you the title of father? How did you get the title of father? And what does it mean that you have to do? Right. So, okay. So the executive, there's a 
there's an executive branch within the house and that collect they they collectively talk and the branch um the executive branch pretty much consists of the the founders um the overall mother and the overall father they talk and they say well you know what we see that Shamar is pretty much doing a lot for that particular region so let's go ahead and make him the father of that region and um the responsibility um primarily consists of just making sure you're developing um the people that are within your region that come into the house it's also a lot of recruiting um mm. uh, once they come into the house a lot of our people here are green so green meaning that they don't know a lot about ballroom so mm -hmm. you have to have a, a person that can kind of guide them and 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 basically be hands on with developing them based on whatever category they're going to be walking. Um, aside from walking, a lot of it is personal. So you have to be hands on with people, in you know, with things in their personal lives too, just to make sure that they're being productive. Because you know, the basis of ballroom to me, uh, why so many people were intrigued about it was because it was family based. Mm -hmm. uh, you have to think about a lot of people uh, like myself were runaways, did not have great communication with their family. And so you get pulled into this culture and those people take on roles as not just uh, mentors, but they take on parental roles also. So I had people that made sure I went to school and finished and did all of those things too. So it's, 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 it's all of that. It's a, it's a, it's a combination of just really just making sure people are really developing and uh, on the competitive side is making sure that people are ready to hit the floor. We rehearse, we meet, we do all of those things. How do you recruit? Because it seems like in other sports, um, maybe someone will see a sport on television and be like, oh, I want to be a gymnast or they'll have a soccer program at school. But I don't feel like it's really the same for voguing. So how does recruitment happen? How do you, how do you get new people in the house? A lot of it is at the balls. You see people and they may, they may be walking or they may not be walking and you see them and you say, well, you know what? This person would be great for walking faith or walking sex, sorry, or walking realness. And so, you, you, you know, you go to them and, you, you know, you, you get information from them and uh, y'all talk. It's almost like recruiting to go to college. So we create spaces to do recruiting, meaning like on Wednesday night we have Vogue nights at Marty's. A lot of times, um, even just being out at the bars and seeing people, you can see it. Now, as it relates to Vogue, a lot of it, a lot of times you will see that come out just being in the club. You'll see them trying to Vogue or or, or, or trying to develop just based on what they're seeing other people do at the club. Now, we have people that are um, a little bit more experienced, and we do get with them, and we you know we re you know we recruit them also. What are the categories uh, these days? If I go to a ball, like what what are the different categories people can compete in? Wow, it's <laughs> it's a lot. You have your performance categories, and uh, your performance categories consist of voguing. But then you have like there's different levels of voguing. So there's some people that fall into they they're just soft and cunt, which means that their voguing is really soft. It's it's it's, it's feminine, and you typically see uh, a lot of uh, I want to say we call them butch queens. They do soft, soft, uh, and kind. Then you have, uh, you have drags. Um, 
they do performance. Then you have your your female figures, which consist of cisgender women that uh, perform. Then you have your trans women that perform. Then you have uh, always, which is also a technique. It's pretty much uh, when 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 Paris is burning documentary. Um, when when they were when they when it debuted, you saw a lot of that was what was considered the old way. Then you have your fashion categories that consist of best dress. We do a lot of pageant categories, evening gown, male pageant. Then you have streetwear, and then you also have labels. So those categories fall into the fashion. Then when we go to looking at the face categories, you have which queen face, which are male figures, and then you have female figure face. And so if you just look to have a ball, you want to try to make sure you, you have all these categories because you want people to walk. And I always say there's a category for everybody mm. in ballroom. I do. I feel like there's a category that everybody can genuinely fall into. We have to take a quick break, but when we come back, we'll ask Shamar Garcon why ballroom competitions have different categories for cisgender and transgender competitors and how ballroom is slowly becoming recognized as a mainstream sport. We hope you'll stay with us. Welcome back to Extra Points, the Outsports podcast that explores extra points on lesser-known moments in LGBTQ sports history and culture. Let's get back to our conversation. Did I hear you correctly, then, some of the uh, performance categories that um, transgender and cisgender competitors will compete in different categories? Is, is, is it always broken up that way? Yeah, uh, a lot of times uh, what we, you know, because, again, you know, you want to give everybody uh, an opportunity. And, and, you know, like more so now than ever, we have, it's a lot of cisgender women that are in ballroom houses um, that are walking and they're, and, and, and they're voguing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so you have, you know, they will perform against each other. Then sometimes you have the, the uh, cisgender women who will battle against uh, the trans women. Sometimes those categories, if it's open to all, you know, that means that's everybody, mm-hmm. you know, that falls into the female figure category, whether it's drags, whether it's trans, whether it's cisgender women. There's also, uh, you know, cisgender women are walking face. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, they're walking labels. They're, you know, they're, you know, they're walking, uh, you know, like I said, they have, you know, the numbers with cisgender women in ballroom has grown dramatically, I would say, over the past 10 years alone. Mm. Why is that, do you think? You get a lot of uh, cisgender women, especially if they're lesbian women. You know, they 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 are wanting to be in ballroom as well. Uh, you got a lot of uh, heterosexual women that are in ballroom and they're performing. And a lot of times, these women are you know, are friends of, 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 of gay men who are actually in ballroom. And so it, it, it kind of develops from there. You know, I've, I've known a lot of women that are cisgender women that have went to some of these dance schools with some of these guys that are uh, performance. Uh, and when I say performance, I mean voters. And mm-hmm. so they get pulled into it. It's not as divisive as I think how I really feel like ballroom used to be. We, I just had this conversation with one of my friends. I believe that ballroom has really changed to where I don't feel like it's as divisive as it used to be because, I mean, the origin of ballroom once upon a time ago was created for minorities, mm. you know, and, and you don't really see that 
any more revolver. You see all all races now that are uh, engaged in ball, all engaged in ball. Mm, mm. So, How do you feel about that? I, I think a lot of people typically think about it as a kind of a classical black form, and maybe there would be people who would have issues about it becoming more open, but others would say, no, it, it's made it better. Well, well, I think it, it is kind of, I think it's for me, because you, you have this conversation now about people feeling like there are people that are abusing the culture. Uh, but you have to understand that a lot of people that may not like it came from a time where they experienced that period where there were not a lot of spaces for African-Americans who were not afforded the same opportunities. And I want to say not just straight people, but even when you just think about, you know, the white community, they probably were still able to have opportunities to be models, to be professional dancers, and people not feel a little bit discouraged because of their sexual preferences. Versus, I think that imagine being a trans woman who probably had goals and dreams and aspirations to be a dancer or to be a model, but probably was not going to be given those opportunities when you think about how 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 the times were just in the 80s and 90s. I have a lot of friends that they couldn't do those type of, they didn't have those type of opportunities, so, but you still got to eat. So that's where sex work comes into play, you know, because I have to survive. Uh, and then when you think about, you know, you still have these dreams and aspirations to want to do things, and then here, this is where ballroom came into play because I think it was our opportunity to have those dreams. You could feel like a model that night. You could feel like, you know, a dancer that night. You know, I just think that that's really probably why I think a lot of, because I have a lot of friends that are older. They are kind of still on the fence of how ballroom has evolved. I think it's a good thing, though, because I think that when you understand the culture, you have so much respect for it. I don't think that this is just for black people. When you think about it, especially, when, you know, in back in New York, it wasn't just the black people that were engaged in ballroom. You had the Latino community as well. You know, you had the House of Stravaganza, which was a entire Puerto Rican house. What are the judges of a of a voguing competition really judging on? Like, like, are there certain things they're looking for, or does it change with every category? When you talk about specifically judging for Vogue, there's elements that they would be looking for. So you want to make sure that they are doing their hands. So you pay attention to the hands. You pay attention to, to make sure that, that their spins are on point, that their dips, that they're doing the duck walk. So those are some of the elements. You have to know the elements of Vogue to be able to even judge Vogue. And sometimes now I do think my personal opinion, you know, Vogue has just been so, it's just all about dramatics now. Mm. If, that's, if that's something that I don't really, meaning like sometimes people only focus on all of the, like I like to say, the dramatic part that falls with, you know, Vogue, there's a lot of death drop and kicks and splits, you know, and sometimes they forget that we want to see, you know, uh, the grace of it. We want to see, you know, the hand performance. We want to see all of those things. It's all about the judges that, you know, who are on that panel. And every ball, the judging panel is not going to look the same. How do you train for a ball? I mean, it, it seems like sometimes it's very athletic. But as you said, sometimes you're just trying to serve face or, or wear, you know, kind of pageant fashion. So, so how do you train for either voguing or for performance? I mean, there, I mean, if you're in a house specifically, your house is going to make sure you guys are practicing. My house, they are rehearsing sometimes two, three times a week. If it's a ball up, you know, because we know when the next ball is coming. 
So that, that's where the preparation starts. Do you consider voguing or, or ballroom a sport? Yes, I do. I do. I think it's a little bit at voguing specifically. I do think that it takes a lot of strength. It takes a lot of you have to have a lot of stamina. You're using a lot, a lot of your body. And just think about it. One person on a big night could be battling eight or nine people. And that takes a lot of your body. So I, I do think that there is conversations going on that people do consider uh, voguing a sport. Do you think that we'll ever see voguing on, say, like ESPN or any sort of kind of mainstream as like, you know, the Olympics? The way ballroom is cultivating <laughs> internationally, I do think that that time will come. I do. I mean, you have people like Leomi, uh, uh, who is contracted with Nike. Um, was I saw her while I was, she's on video in Times Square. Leomi Maldonado, if you didn't know, is a Bronx-born, transgender, Afro-Puerto Rican dancer, instructor, model, activist, and ballroom dancer who appeared on season four of America's Best Dance Crew. She appeared in a 2019 Nike ad as part of their Be True campaign highlighting LGBTQ athletes. The commercial shows her practicing voguing, training younger competitors in the dance, and glittering covered in sweat and gold as she performs at a raucous ballroom event. Let's hear the commercial. Hey, Leigh. What did you do to make a mark on this world? What mountains did you climb? Which angels gave you their wings? Which skies have you flown? And when you reached the heavens, who was there to catch you when you fell? And did they tell you that you saved them too? Like you saved me? That they're mending your wings and holding them up to the sun? Just to step back and watch you fly. So go ahead, Lay. Fly. I mean, for her to be signed with Nike just because she's a performance person, you know, that's, I mean, that lets me know the direction that Bogan is being uh, portrayed now. People are looking at that as a form of athletic, uh, uh, 